tonight, we're going to be doing a message that I'm calling No, Not Even Teething. No, Not Even Teething. And um, we'll be talking more about what that means in just a little bit, but just a little bit of backstory. So I have a five and a half month old son. His name is Judah. He is really cute. And um, he is going through a teething phase right now. And what that means is his teeth are coming through the gums, and he's in a lot and lot of pain and discomfort. And um, we're going to be talking about the love of the Father and the love of God that even in tough seasons, how God loves us. And to do that, I want everyone to turn to 1 John chapter 4. So let's all turn to 1 John chapter 4. And um, we're going to be hanging out in this chapter the whole night. So if you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn. 1 John chapter 4. Honestly, I think 1 John is probably one of the more underrated books of the Bible. Like, I think some of you guys are sleeping on 1 John. Um, it's a really, really great book. It, it's a shorter read. It's not, it's only like three pages in my Bible. It's like four pages. Really amazing book of the Bible. I want you guys to read it. We need to make like a tier list of the books in the Bible sometime, but if we did, this would be like S-tier level. What are, what are some other like S-tier level books of the Bible? Romans. Romans? Okay, Romans is good. First Corinthians. I heard Philippians. What'd you say? That's such a Sunday school answer, man. That doesn't count. You got to say a book. Revelations. That's, that's a fun one. <laughs> Deuteronomy. I can't even say that correctly. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, that's my wife's favorite. Hebrews, that's a good one. That's got my favorite chapter in the Bible, Hebrews does. But um, I think you guys need to be saying 1 John, because 1 John is so good. Go, literally go home tomorrow, go home tonight and read it. But um, we're going to be looking at 1 John, and I just want to read a section of it. I'm going to start in verse 7. I'm just going to read down. And I'm just reading it from my Bible. I don't have it on the screen, so our translations might be different. But it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Everybody say, God is love. God is love. God is love. And this, the love of God, was manifested toward us that God sent his only son to be his only begotten Son, into the world that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the appropriation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I'm going to skip down to verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because he is, so are we in this world. Therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. That's going to be important. We're going to be talking about that later. We love him because he first loved us. So I want to give you guys just a little bit of walk, like kind of like step into my shoes for just a little bit. I'm going to tell you a little bit of my backstory. Um, I grew up Christian. I'm a pastor's kid since I was eight years old. Um, really before that, there was a time before that as well when I was really little and my dad was a youth pastor. And I think, I've seen this before on the internet, but I think there's a disadvantage a little bit. There's a, there's a small disadvantage of growing up Christian or growing up as a pastor's kid. 
mostly because of the temptation to make the relationship that you have with God on the same playing ground as your household chores. Has anyone else ever experienced that? I might be alone in that, but I had that go on in my life quite a bit where it, I was going through, you know, I, I would have seasons of like, you know, getting really deep in the word with God and like praying and hearing his voice and being filled with the spirit. And then there would be long stretches of time after that where I would read my Bible or maybe I wouldn't and I would pray almost every day. But I would also like in the same breath in the same action, make my bed. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like I was treating it as a chore and as something that I do as a checkbox. Not to, not to mitigate the power and importance of doing, reading your Bible every day and praying every day, but I lost something during those seasons. There was something in my life that was missing during those seasons. And I want to walk you through even earlier this week. So let's, let's, I want to take you guys to, I believe, I guess it was, it would have been uh, yesterday, actually. Yesterday morning, I was spending time with God, and I was in that temptation of making it a chore, of checking it off so I could move on with my bed. And during my quiet time, I listened to um, one of the Journey Church songs from the worship album that we'll actually be recording tomorrow night, and it was the song, Trust the Lord. And the song really hit me in a new way. It hit me in a new way, and it hit a spot, and I was convicted by it. The Holy Spirit was using that to convict me and saying, Sean, you need to learn how to love me. You need to learn not only how to love me, but how to allow me to express my love for you. Because how many of you guys know that God, there is nothing that can separate us from God's love? Is that right? Like, there is no height, no depth, no principality, no power, no angel, no demon, nothing can separate us from the love of God except our own free will. We can put up a wall in front of me, and a wall is right here, and then the love of God's on the other side of that wall, and we're the only ones that can take that down. If, if that wasn't true, then we wouldn't be having free will. If that, we, have, we have to have the ability to accept his love in the same manner as rejecting the love, or else it's not true love. If we can't equally accept it and reject it, it's not free will. And so the Lord convicted me through that song and saying, yeah, you know, because in the song it says, who can separate us from the awesome love of God? And he, and he was telling me, like, Sean, you can separate this. You, in your own life. Now, like, my parents can't separate me. You know, my friends can't separate me. But I can separate myself. And God was saying, Sean, you're doing that again. You're separating it has to be real. It has to be true, genuine love given from you to me and at the same time received from me to you. And I want to talk about that tonight. I've talked about this before, and I've, I've honestly battled with it a little bit if I should share it or not because um, I think it's going to be just like a bit shorter of a message and maybe even a little bit of a basic one. But God was just really pressing on me to share it because of the importance of it, that well, first of all, I can't be the only one going through this. I think every single Christian to ever live will have seasons like that where it becomes a chore. But I just, I'm going to share my experience with you and to help you when you are in a season of going through the motions, of going through the loop, of just checking boxes, to realize that even tonight we can and 
have the ability to push the reset button on our spiritual life with God. That to tomorrow doesn't have to look like yesterday. That in this exact moment, at the flip of a switch, we can reset our spiritual walk and say, God, I'm going to choose to love you like I've never loved you before. In this moment, we can choose to hit the reset button and say, God, I'm going to just receive, just sit back, shut my mouth, and just receive the love that you have for me in a way that I've never done that before. Because the Bible says that the Father is willing. The Father is here. His arms are open wide. He's waiting for you to run back to him. That's what I want to talk about tonight. And the Bible compares our relationship with him a lot of times like a marriage. Um, you see the bride of Christ and you see Jesus like waiting for us. Now, I know none of you guys are married yet, but you guys should have at least some idea of what that's supposed to look like, what a good, healthy, biblical marriage is supposed to look like. I've used this example before, and I've actually first heard it, um, Pastor Aaron share this. But, you know, I'm married to my wife, Caitlin. Caitlin, you're back there. You want to wave your hand? Yep, she's back there. I'm married to that lady right over there. And, um, you know, she's back there with our son. And Pastor Aaron's put this pretty well before. But I just want you to imagine that. What if I said to Caitlin, and I said, okay, Caitlin, once a day from 7 to 7.15, I'm going to give you a list of chores I need you to get done and then I'm gonna reread the letter you sent me a long time ago. And then maybe at the end of the day, we'll talk again. How many of you guys know that's probably not gonna work out too much longer, right? Like if we did that every single day, if I did that every single morning with my wife, it's not going to work out. If, even if you're not married, you can see where that relationship is heading. But um, what I wanna challenge you guys is that that is a lot of times what we do with our relationship with God. Bible compares our relationship to a marriage, and a lot of times we get up early, we open up our Bible, and we pray, which these are all great and amazing things to do. The Bible even says, submit your requests to him. But a lot of times I think we just get into the motion of making it all about us. We submit our list of to-dos to God. God, I need you to do this, do this, do this, get me this car, get me this house, and then close the book, go throughout our day, and then living exactly how we want to live as if God never existed, and then maybe we do the same thing tomorrow. I just want to challenge you guys that that's not where a good relationship goes, and God's going to stick with you to the end. He's never going to leave you, but it could be better. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Before we knew God as our Father, we were unwitting servants to the powers that be, which are nothing compared to God. But now that we truly know him, and are intimately known by him. Why would we even for a moment consider turning back to those weak and feeble principles of religion as though we were still subject to him? I preached a message earlier this year called Know and Be Known, that that's our mission. That's what Jesus has set out to do, is to know us, is for us to know him, to truly know him, and for us to intimately be known by him. We need to challenge ourselves to, tr to do whatever it takes to truly know him and to do whatever it takes to allow him to intimately know us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. That's key right there. 
that they are born of God, but you also have to know God through your own personal experience. Okay, so let's move on. The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God. He does not and never will know him. For God is love. Everyone say, God is love. God is love. He is the originator of love. It is an enduring attribute of his nature. By the love of God was displayed in us, and that God sent his only son, who was truly unique, the only one of his kind, into the world so that we might live through him. See, here's the thing. Once you begin to comprehend the love of God and begin to comprehend the, the amount, the sheer amount of love that God has for you, you begin to realize things such as like the commandments were written from a place of love, not a place of judgment. God is love. It's not that God has love. He is love. He created the idea of love, and it is an enduring attribute of him. Once we begin to realize that, we realize that the commandments, the guidelines, the rules, the disciplines he has on our life are coming from a place of love, not from a place of judgment. Another way to look at the love of God, we talked about how it's like a marriage, is that it's like a father-to-child relationship. That's probably the more popular thing that we see in the Bible. Um, when I was growing up, and I'm sure you guys can relate, it's really easy to think that my parents were making all these rules just to stomp out my fun. You know, like, I don't know, maybe they, maybe they even were, but as you get older, you begin to realize that a lot of their rules and guidelines were coming from a place of love and not from judgment or from restrictions. And they may not all be that way, but a lot of them are. For example, when you're four years old, your parents tell you, don't play in the road. And as a four-year-old, you're like, but that's exactly right where I want to play, is in the middle of the road. And there's a reason for it. It's because in that little red, you know, little tyke's car that you kick with your feet, it can go fastest on the road. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? That's the place where it goes fastest. But once you begin to realize, you get older, you get older than four years old. I don't know how old you, it takes you to realize that that comes out of a place of love and not restrictions because they care for your safety. When you're eight years old, the, the rule might be don't punch the other kids. Like, don't punch the other kids. Who, how many of you guys would say that you were punchers when you were eight years old? Okay, we got two hands up here. Man, okay. How many of you guys would say you're still punchers? All right, we got a couple. We got a couple. So when you're eight years old, your parents tell you, hey, don't punch your kid, don't punch your friends, because that, you're going to be friendless if you keep doing that. That comes out of a place of love for you and for the other kids, not out of a place of restrictions, at least most of the time. You know, when you're, when you're 12, it might be limiting, you know, curfews or certain online activities or certain friend groups. And again, as you get older, for a lot of us, I'm not saying every rule, I'm not saying every parent, but for a lot of the time, it comes out of a place of love. It comes out of a place of care, of trying to protect you. And so I'm not saying everyone's going to have the same experience that I had. I'm not saying my parents were perfect either, but I am saying that God is perfect. God is the perfect parent. If you could imagine what the perfect parent looks like, you just need to look at the Bible, because God is that perfect parent. We might not understand the rules and the guidelines and the directions and the restrictions that are on us now, but we have to understand that when our parents did it out of a place of love, how much more did God do that out of a place of love? Once we begin to realize that, it's not, he's not trying to judge us. He's not trying to restrict our fun. 
but he's trying to he's trying to show us even more love. That's when we begin to realize that that they're out of a place of true, genuine, real, intimate love. What that should do is that should create a change in us, and that should challenge our perspective of God even more. No matter where we're at in our walks, that should challenge us to have a perspective and appreciation for the amount of love that God has for us. You see, earlier this week, God challenged, God had this challenged inside of me. Because in a, in a very specific point where I don't know, if, I know there's at least some people in this room that are like me, but how many of you guys know that if you don't, you know, if you, if you like skip a few days praying and you don't read your Bible, or maybe you screw up or fall back into sin, how many of you guys get the feeling as though we have to feel like we have to make it up? I know I get that way, that it's like, I feel like I either need to, like, take a break from spending time with him to, like, show him, like, okay, God, like, I'm, I messed up. I can't be near you for a couple of days. I got I to figure some stuff out. I got to clean myself up. I got to get rid of that sin. I got to figure out what's going on inside me. I'm gonna, I, just, I just need a break. Like, I'll, I'll come back next week. Or, I mean, what I tend to do is I'll be like, okay, God, I messed up. I missed the Bible yesterday. So today I'm going to spend twice as long to make up for it. I'm going to spend twice as long. I'm going to spend three times as long to make up for it. And I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying the motivation, the heart behind that. It's, it's the heart behind that. And I want to show you guys something in this book, in 1 John 4, that opened up my eyes quite a bit. It's something that I knew before, but I've never quite experienced this. It's found in 1 John chapter 4. It says, we have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith that the love that which God has for us, God is love. Everyone say, God is love. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continually in him. I'm going to skip down to verse 18. It says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect, complete Full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment so that the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love and has not grown a sufficient understanding of God's love. We love because he first loved us. When I read that earlier this week, that hit me like a train. That wrecked my whole perspective of walking with God in the best way possible. Those four verses should change everything in our walk. When we're dealing with this subject, it should change everything. I believe these four verses set Christianity apart from every other religion. Because you see in every religion of trying to appease the gods or appease the God or appease the will of nature or whatever that looks like. But it's saying God is love. Perfect love casts out all fear. I just want to read that part again. It says, fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. That's exactly what I was doing. When I messed up, when I fell back into sin, when I missed my Bible time, when I didn't pray the right prayer, or when I missed an opportunity sharing the gospel, and I had that temptation that I indulged and said, God, I'm going to 
read the Bible twice just to make that back up to you. Just to, because what, what I was thinking was that God put me down a notch. How many of you guys have seen those um, things in the classrooms with the different colors and the clothespins, you know? You're like, you're on green, and then you get to yellow, and then, oh, you get to red. You know what I mean? Grades, yeah. Well, they're like, they're like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, I felt like, you know, I was on the green, but then I messed up. And so God took my clothespin and moved it down to the yellow. And I'm like, God, I have to make this up to you. I have to make this up to you. God, I don't want to get brought down to the red. So God, I'm going to work extra hard. I'm going to be a better Christian. I'm going to be an extra good Christian so you can move me back up to green where we're good. How many of you guys know I was literally... I had the expectation of divine punishment when I saw that in the spirit realm, God moved me down to yellow. And that revealed something, just like the verse said. It said, so the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love and has not grown in a sufficient understanding of God's love. Whenever we bring fear or anxiety or we bring a dread of punishment into our walk with God, we are in the wrong. We are in the wrong place. We are in the wrong perspective. We have not yet fully grown in our sufficient understanding of how much God loves us. As I said before, I'm, I'm married and we have a son. It's our first son. I think he's a pretty cool guy. I think he's pretty cute. I actually have a picture of him. I brought a picture. I, I take this opportunity. So he was playing and he got like wiped out and he fell asleep. This is one of my favorite pictures of him. It's really cute. <laughs> but um, I gave an example of what, our, uh, in a spiritual walk, a marriage with God looks like. But, but another way that God Bible puts it, as I said before, is a father-to-child relationship. And as Judah's father, as this kid's father, I would do anything for him. I would sacrifice everything for him. I would do whatever it takes to, to show him that I'm here for him, to protect him, to be a good dad, to love him the way he needs to be loved, to do whatever I can to create a path so he can become a great man of God someday. And even when at a young age, I just want you to imagine, I've said this before, but imagine that he goes through something. And as a father, as his father, I don't want him, I don't want this guy to feel like he needs to treat my, our relationship as a chore. I don't want this guy to feel guilty for not spending enough time with me or to feel like I'm moving him down from the green to the yellow whenever he messes up. You see, my love for him is not dependent on his actions. My love for him is, is determined by the relationship that I have with him. And, the, and, the God, and God is the same way with us, and even more so. There's a famous scripture in Matthew. It says, do you know of any parent who would give his hungry child who asked for food a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a piece of fish, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? If you, imperfect as you are, in some translation says, if you, an evil parent in comparison, if you, imperfect parent, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask for him? You see, God is here 
God is waiting. God is ready. He doesn't want you to treat it like a chore. He doesn't want you to feel guilty. He's not going to cast judgment. Your relationship with him is not dependent on your actions, but your relationship and your standing with him is dependent on solely who you are. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what you're going to do for the next 60 years. The love that God has for you is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what you can do, you cannot change it. And what I'm warning you about tonight is although you cannot change it, you can put up a wall between it. And God's always there to love you, but you have to be open to accept it. You have to be willing to receive it. And I want to invite the worship team to come up now. And we're going to have a moment here where we're going to be able to respond to this. And what I saw when I was preparing this was an open altar up here. And during these last two songs here, I'm going to encourage anybody that needs to hit the reset button that I was talking about earlier and say, I may not have got it all figured out. I know my, my love for God maybe needs some work. My perspective needs to work. But I know what I need to do now. I need to repent and I need to turn around. And this is exactly what I did yesterday in my quiet time. I just turned my bed into an altar and said, God, I repent of how I saw you. I repent for creating a wall between me and your love. You see, our Father has perfect love for us. And that love casts out every fear. See, I wish I could have that kind of love for my son, but I know I can't. I know I can't. And I, I talked about before that he's teething right now. So there's a lot of, he doesn't cry anymore. He screeches at the top of his lungs whenever he feels like it. And you can just tell he's in a lot of pain. He's screeching, he's crying, and he's having these rough moments. And they're, they're stressful, like just to be honest. Like they're, it's loud, it's hard to get stuff done. It, it happens a lot. But my love for him has not changed. That it's no matter what he does, that's not going to affect it. That's not going to get in the way of it. And it's my job to lead him up, to be able to accept the love of his heavenly father and to be able to love him and others in the same way. So I just want to invite everyone to just stand up with me right now. And we're going to do a couple songs here at the end. And again, I want to leave this altar up here open that if that's, if you want to hit the reset button, and accept God's love for the first time or maybe for a time. Maybe it's been a long time or I don't need to over explain it. I think the Holy Spirit is doing something inside of us. But there is a perfect love waiting for you. We just have to let our guard down and accept it. So Holy Spirit, I invite you in right now. I thank you for your love. I pray that we have the boldness and the courage to tear down our walls and to accept you with wide open arms, to accept the love that you have for us and allow the Holy Spirit to just work on the inside of us like you've never done before. So Jesus, we just invite you in and I just pray that you just draw those that need to hit the reset button in Jesus' name. Just the Lord with all my heart, and I'm not on my own in this 
Trust the Lord.
Father, and just ask that you just overflow this place with love. God, we just thank you for what you're doing inside of us. We just pray that this does not stop here, but this continues. And Jesus, you are deserving all of the glory, that you have all the power and all of everything that we need. So God, we just look to you as the source. We look to you for everything that we need. And Jesus, we just praise you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, before we go, before we go, we're going to be doing one more song. We're going to be doing the new song one more time. So let's all stand up. Come up to the front, you guys. Let's do it.
Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming. Before you guys go, we've got a reading Bible plan, seven days. Let's put it up on the screen. It's about the love of God. You guys can read along with us. It'll be starting tomorrow and go through Wednesday. So scan the QR code. We'll keep that up on your way out. And I'll see you guys tomorrow night at TNT. You guys are dismissed.